0: You're listening to a podcast from Genesis Church in Phoenix, Arizona. You can find out more about Genesis Church at genesis Thanks for listening. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie from the 1980s called The Karate Kid. Featuring Ralph Macchio. How many of you know or have seen The the Karate Kid? Many of you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's the story of this kid, uh, this teenager who moves to Southern California from the East Coast with his mother. And as an outsider, Daniel, Daniel, uh, this boy's name, finds himself um, targeted by a group of bullies who also happen to be part of the leading dojo, karate dojo, in the area called Thank you. Yeah, you've seen the movie, Cobra Kai. Right. And so to combat their bullying, Daniel befriends a local repairman, which is a little odd if you think about it. But either way, Mr. Miyagi, the local repairman, and he receives his own karate training from Mr. Miyagi, unique as it may be. And, you know, the movie has been so popular uh, over the last thirty-five years, that uh, a few years ago Netflix released uh, a, a spin-off offerment called Cobra Kai, which maybe you've seen before. Uh, my hockey team on Sundays, Cobra Kai sweep the leg, right? So there's a lot of popularity going on here. But as a child of the '80s and '90s, listen, I wanted to be Danielson. I wanted to be Danielson. I wanted, you know, to paint the fence. Remember <laughs> yeah. to sand the deck, right? To sand the deck. I, 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 I like Mr. Miyagi Todd. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to catch flies with chopsticks. And man, did I want to take Elizabeth's shoe on a date so badly. But more than anything, I wanted to give Johnny Lawrence the crane kick at the very end. You know what I'm talking about to win the trophy. I can remember almost every scene of that movie, it's just etched in my memory. But you know what I don't remember? Karate Kid Part 2. Don't remember a thing about it. I don't even know if I've seen it. Did you know that there's a Karate Kid part three with Ralph Macchio? You didn't know that, did you? Most of you had no idea, right? I don't remember any of that. I think I maybe saw the second movie once, but I know I never saw the third. So just for fun this week, as I was thinking about this, I looked up each movie's Rotten Tomato scores, right? The the original was an eighty nine percent. That's a really good score on Rotten Tomatoes. The sequel was forty four percent, and the third, of which none of us have seen, thirteen percent. Right? Here's my reason: the sequel, the sequel is almost never as good as the original. The sequel almost never lives up to the story you loved so much. In the original, and there's good reason for that. It's hard to tell an equally compelling story with the same characters and storyline. But I'm here to tell you that there is a sequel that we are about to walk through that is just as good as the original. If not, dare I say it, better. Now, if you were to give the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a Rotten Tomato Scores. I think we'd all give it a very high score, probably 100. I mean, it's the story of God come to earth through Jesus for the salvation of all humanity. And if you were to do the same with the sequel, the book of Acts that we're going to look through, well, I would give it 100 too. The sequel is just as good, maybe, just maybe, even a little better. So today, we're going to take our first step in walking through the entire book of Acts. 28 chapters. I might be dead by the time we finish this book. I mean, truthfully, I don't know how long this is going to take. Uh, I know it's going to take uh, more than this year to get through it. Uh, We're going to be spending numerous, uh, numerous weeks in the book of Acts. We're going to take some breaks and talk about some other things, but we're just going to work our way through the sequel of Jesus' story, the book of Acts. Now, you may be wondering, why in the world would we do this? Why spend months upon months going through this particular book? And here, here's my reason, my main reason. There's many, but here's my main reason. It's that after almost two years of wading our way through a pandemic and all that has come with it, I'm concerned that we have lost sight of who we, the church, really are. I feel like I'm afraid for many that faith has become this novelty item in Jesus, another piece of their life, but not the most important, much like maybe their commitment to a book club or a volunteer opportunity. And so I want us in the coming year to really rekindle our faith in such a way that it changes everything for us that I want it to change the way that we work. I want it to change the way that we talk. I want it to change the way we relate to one another and the way that we view the world. I can think of no better place to look than in the book of Acts. It is not just a story of what happened, but it is a story of what is happening right here in our midst. The book of Acts gives us a glimpse into the work of Jesus that he's been doing for thousands of years, all the way to our year, 2022. It's a story that we now find ourselves part of. I love how author and scholar N.T. Wright talks about the book of Acts. He says this, this is a play in which we are invited to become actors ourselves. The book of Acts invites us to become part of this sequel to the story of Jesus, and it includes you. That's right. You are being invited into the continued story of Acts. Jesus wants you to step on stage of this play he has been writing for thousands of years, and not just in a cameo role, but in a leading role. The only question is, for us, will we step on stage? Will we look at the book of Acts as a story told thousands of years ago, or will we look at the book of Acts as a story that is inviting us to become part of what Jesus has been doing for thousands of years? Will you step on stage? So, with all that said, let's get into it. Uh, If you have your phone with you, you can open up your YouVersion app uh, and find our uh, Genesis Church under More and Events. Otherwise, if you have your Bible... Uh, will be in Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1. And by the way, I really want you to do this. Now, we're going to have the, the, the stuff on the screen the, and everything, but uh, during this series, I really want you to get into the text, okay? So if you have your phone, open it up, open up your UVersion app, get in there. Uh, I just want to strongly encourage you to interact with what God is saying to these new followers in the book of Acts and to us. So just a quick background, uh, prior to the book of Acts... Jesus is born, right? We just celebrated the birth of Christ at Christmas. He, he lived a life of a little more than 30 years. He spent about three years doing his earthly ministry, preaching and teaching and uh, interacting with people and performing miracles uh, on the earth, gathering his first followers, and then he's crucified, right? He's dead and he is buried for three days and then resurrected on Easter Sunday, And Acts picks that story up shortly after Jesus' resurrection, right? And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So hang there for a second, because it's just... A little bit of background here, because these first two verses cue us into some of the, the the details of what's going on in the book of Acts. the The author of Acts is a guy named Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was educated. He was scholarly. He did his research, and he was thorough in his writing. And he wrote one of the gospels in the New Testament. Can you guess it? One person said, "Luke." Come on, that was a, that was a softball right there, Luke right? His name is Luke. He wrote Luke, right? He didn't write John. He wrote Luke. Now, we aren't completely sure who this Theophilus character is, but it's likely he was in a friend or an acquaintance, most likely at some sort of higher stature within the community uh, that Luke is sending this letter to, this book to, to not only inform Theophilus, but use Theophilus as a a catalyst to send it out into the broader community. This was common. In the first century, I would write a letter, I would write a story, and I would send it to somebody, and I would say to them, "Now look, distribute this. Let other people read this." Paul did it with his New Testament letters. Luke is doing it here. All right, so let's go on. Verse three: During the forty days after he suffered and died, he again Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom. Of God, So Luke says, listen, in case there's any doubt, Jesus died and was then resurrected and he talked and he appeared to his first thought This is not a myth. Hundreds of people saw Jesus after he died and was resurrected. He talked with them. He told them about this thing called the kingdom of God. And as I mentioned earlier, Luke was very thorough, and he did his research. He, he talked personally to these first followers that Jesus appeared to. He verified their accounts, and he's saying, look, it was true. Jesus is alive and walked with these people even after his death. In case there's any doubt about what may have been said, this is what's true. Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected, and appeared to his many first followers. And what do they talk about? Well, many things, I'm sure, but Luke points out a key conversation that Jesus has with those who followed him after his resurrection. Verse four, Luke writes this, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. It's it's funny, immediately after Jesus' death and resurrection, there's this pile of mixed emotions, I think, among the first followers. I mean, they just watched their leader, right, the son of God, be crucified in the most brutal of ways and buried for three days. And now he's standing before them, talking to them. I mean, what could they possibly be thinking? And but Jesus, I think, I think they sense, hey, look, the, the plan's back on. Like It's not over. Like, let's go. Let's do this. And Jesus recognizes their zeal and their passion that they have after they see him as this resurrected Savior from the dead. And he knows... That, listen, I know you guys. I know what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to charge the first hill and and change the world as quickly as you possibly can. They're going to want to take you know the field like a high school team that's just holding themselves back in the tunnel ready to just charge the field. And then you might think that's a good thing, but Jesus says, hold on. I, I need you to wait. I need you to wait. In fact, The very next verse, you you can actually sense the anxiousness of the first followers as they seek to take ground for Jesus. Verse 6, it says this, so then the apostles, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore a kingdom? Can you hear the, like, let's do this. Let's go. And he replied, the Father alone has the the authority to set those dates and times they're not for you to know. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can you sense the, the anxiousness, the zeal, the passion of those first followers? Like, it's on. Jesus is alive. <laughs> like, we're, go- we're going for it now. With his resurrection, they- they're ready to take action. They, they want to see Jesus make an incredible move and restore Israel back to its place of prominence. But again, Jesus, he he tempers them. It's as if he's saying, guys, take a breath, man. Like, I, I know you're excited, but it's not time yet. And then he reminds them, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit Comes, good things are going to happen. Listen, you're going to be my witnesses all around the world, but don't do anything until the Holy Spirit makes his move. You know, I have to wonder how many of us are entering 2022 with the same sort of zeal and passion and anxiety as the first followers of Jesus in the first century. I mean, if you're anything like me, not all that great at waiting. Not so good at it? Mm Mm-mm. And how often do we get ahead of what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through us? I look at these first followers. I mean, I love their passion, but man, Jesus is saying, look, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't leave me in the dust here. I need you to wait. You know, I just wonder how many of us are walking into this next year And we're going after it. You know, we want the new job. And Jesus is saying, look, just wait. Just wait on the Holy Spirit. He he will show you the way. We we want the the man or woman of our our dreams. And Jesus is saying, look, just wait on the Holy Spirit. He will show you. We want to make the you know, the major purchase. Maybe we should go get that house right now. And Jesus is saying, look, just wait. On the Holy Spirit, he will reveal the right answer. I mean, it can even be ministry related. I can't tell you how many times I have found myself doing something. And in hindsight, I realized I was all alone in my efforts. I didn't wait on the Holy Spirit. I just jumped in headfirst, assuming, hey, let's go, Spirit. Let's catch up. Let's do this, right? I mean, how many times do we find ourselves just doing things, and we haven't even consulted what the Spirit of God that is with us may want us to do? And as I evaluate my life, I realize that the vast majority of bad decisions I have made weren't because I wanted something other than what God wants. No. In fact, many of them, I wanted the same thing God wants, but I made bad decisions because I did it without the Holy Spirit leading. I just I just ran out the tunnel, right? I just ran, like, by myself onto the field. Like, I'll take the 11 guys. I got this Holy Spirit. That That was my, that's been my, like, That's Achilles' heel and so many things that I've done. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we should just stand still and, you know, sit in a room and be like, I'm not moving until the Holy Spirit tells me to move, right? I mean, look what happens next. Jesus tells him, listen, I know, I know you're excited and we've got much work to do, but I need you to wait until the Spirit comes upon you and fills you with power and leads you where I want you to go. And then this happens, verse 9. After saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you, taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I just imagine this group of young men just staring. Like, now what? You just stand here? You just wait until he comes back? What is this even going to look like? And Jesus sends these messengers to tell him, like, look, just because I told you to wait doesn't mean I want you to stand in one spot. There's things still to be done, but walk forward. Walk forward as you wait. Yes, they need to wait to charge the next hill, and they. Yell, but they also can't just stand in one spot. They can't just become apathetic and blame their lack of decision-making on Jesus' instructions, which can happen, right? I mean, in the same way that we can get ahead of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can fall behind Him too. In the same way we might say, well, I should have waited, we can also find ourselves saying I should have went. There's this delicate balance here. There's this tension that Jesus, you know, gives to this first followers and us. I mean, we're called to wait, to wait upon the Spirit, but we're not called to be passive. We're asked to let the Holy Spirit make the final move, but but we aren't asked to just stand in one spot and do nothing. Before I became pastor of Genesis, uh, I was in this precarious spot. I had just left a church plant that I had given my blood, sweat, and tears to and was at a church that I kind of knew wouldn't be long-term, but I had no idea what was next. And I, I could tell Jesus was saying, similar to what he was saying to those first followers, I need you to wait for my Holy Spirit to move. I just need you to wait. But I was also pretty anxious about what was next for me. So I started reaching out to other churches with open positions, all across the West Coast. And I had very low expectations for it. And I was almost positive nothing would come of it. But but I couldn't just stand still. I, I needed to sort of just dip my toe in what, what God might be doing next. And then 15, 15 months later, Genesis called. So what is Jesus really asking his first followers? And Acts chapter one. It feels like there's this tension, this delicate balance. He's saying, "Listen, wait, but don't stand still." How do we how do we navigate this as we see ourselves as actors in this play? How do we live in that tension? And in one sentence, I put it like this: The message that Jesus is saying to all of us is this: I want you to walk while you wait. I want you to walk. While you wait, I have this image in my mind, you know, (laughs) of the first followers of us. You know, when you go to like a public pool, maybe you've been to a public pool and they have the lifeguards around and you have all these kids. And what is the number one rule at a pool? No running, right? But kids, they're at the public pool and they just cannot help themselves, can they? Like the diving board. The Spirit is leading me to the diving board, and I need to get there. And so what do they do? You know what they do? They do this, right? As fast as they can, right? And the lifeguard, it's no running. No running, right? I feel like this is sort of how, like, we go through life. We're just, like, you know, like trying to run but not really. And Jesus is like, dude, this is, hey, listen, just walk. Just walk while you wait. I mean, think about running. When you run, what is your goal? Get from point A to point B. But when you walk, what is your goal? Enjoy. Take in what God is doing around you. See the scenery. See where God is at work in ways that you didn't notice if you were running. And so Jesus is saying to the The first father is saying, listen, I just want you to walk while you wait. We're not rushing into anything here. You know, we're not running to the diving board. I just want you to walk while you wait. Take this in. Enjoy each other. Enjoy what I am doing. Enjoy the fact that I am alive and that you are going to be called to do something far beyond your wildest. I mean, how many times in your life do you wish you would have walked while you waited instead of running ahead without the Spirit's leading? What is Jesus asking you to walk while you wait about today? Is he asking you to simply be faithful in the work you have before you rush into a new position without a Spirit's leading? Is he asking you to walk, walk? into the new relationship while you wait to see if the person is the one instead of rushing into a relationship that could end in pain and heartache? Is he asking you to walk while you wait to see if the broken relationship will ever be healed, taking small steps towards healing in your own life while you wait on the Spirit to do something new in the relationship? And the sequel of Jesus' story is incredible and you have been invited to be a player in its continuation. You have been invited into that same instruction of Jesus. Walk while you wait. The Spirit is moving, and you will receive that same Spirit. You will receive it with power, and when you do, you are going to do amazing things. You'll be my witnesses all throughout the world. But as you wait, I want you to walk. Look for the Spirit's movement. May that be the thing that's attentive in your mind. Don't rush. Don't run. But walk while you wait. The sequel of Jesus, the book of Acts, it is just as good if not better. In fact, dare I say it, I think Jesus says it's supposed to be better. And I don't just think that because I just said, well, this is a great title. I say that because Jesus actually said it. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done, and even, what's the word? Greater Greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. The Spirit's leading, Jesus tells us, we will accomplish far more than we ever thought. When we become people who walk while we wait on the Spirit's movement, Jesus says, listen, The sequel of your life after receiving me will be far greater than you ever imagined, far greater than even the life that I lived while I was on this earth. When we walk while we wait, we become leading players in the salvation God continues to bring before us. And that's a very good thing because our world and our city right outside the doors of this church need us to be people who walk while we wait on the Spirit's leading in our lives and in our communities and in our families. It is in that place that we experience the greater things Jesus spoke of to be accomplished. What is Jesus asking you to walk while you wait about these days? What are you running after that Jesus is saying, Listen, just slow down. The, 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 the Spirit will lead you where you need to go. I want you to trust that and just simply walk with me. Walk with me. You know that I can only imagine that these first followers, their heads must be spinning as all of this is occurring. Jesus dies, he's resurrected comes before them he talks with them he gives them these instructions hey just hold on great things are going to happen but just hold on just walk with me before the spirit comes allow the spirit to lead not yourself and then he leaves he's gone at least from an an unearthly fashion he's gone and they're left there to walk while they wait with each other And I know, because we'll get to it, that one of the things that they did over and over and over again to remind themselves of the instructions of Jesus, including, listen, walk while you wait, was they would get together and they would remember him. They would remember him. They would remember that amazing thing that they just witnessed, his death and his resurrection. And they would remember the moment before Jesus died when he gathered together with many of them and he said, listen, I want you to do something when you get together I want you to be reminded that I, am al- that I have died for you, but I am alive with you as well. When he got together with those first followers, they shared a meal, and he took a loaf of bread during the meal, and he broke it, and he gave thanks for it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And so when you come together, I want you to take this, and I want you to eat it, and I want you to remember that I am sending my spirit to you, that you will have power, And that as you walk in the waiting, that I am with you. That you have been given new life in and through me. So take this bread and eat it and remember me. In the same way Jesus took a cup of wine during that same meal and said, this is my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of sins that God is forming a new relationship with you, a new covenant with you through my shed blood and so when you get together to take a taste of this and remember me, remember my grace, remember my forgiveness remember that my spirit is alive in you because I was dead but now I'm alive so take this and drink it remember me God we gosh we are so grateful for the sequel to your story we're so grateful that this story, the book of Acts, is not just a story that happened, but it's a story that is happening and that we are right in the middle of all of it, that we have been invited to be players, actors, living beings within this story that you continue to write. I know that many of us have walked in here this morning wondering what this year holds for us, God, we have many ambitions and goals and hopes for the coming 12 months. And I pray even right now, God, that you would remind us that your spirit is here. It's among us, that it will lead us where we need to go, that sometimes we just need to walk while we wait, that rushing into decisions and rushing into choices and relationships, God, many times they're not of you, that we get ahead of ourselves. And I just pray, God, that we would rest in the truth. That you are there leading us to trust that, to look for you in all facets of life, that we would follow your leading. Thank you for the example. These first followers, they had no idea I mean, we have the benefit of looking back on this book and reading it and seeing thousands of years of a history they had no idea. And yet their ability to take Jesus' word and apply it in their lives wholeheartedly, God, may we be inspired to do the same. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death, for his resurrection, for the forgiveness of sins, for his grace and his mercy. God, we seek to follow him the Spirit's leading in our lives in all that we do, that greater things in this world would be done than even when Jesus was here on earth with us, that our city and our community, that our schools and our workplaces would know that you are Lord, that you are King, that you are leading in our lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name.